Glory to God. Well, God is good. It's a question I have at times is this. How many more Christmases do we have? I'm not talking about the grave. I'm talking about that wonderful time where we're raptured to meet him in the air. You know, whether you believe it or not, I think someone contacted the ministry recently and asked, did we, what do we believe about the rapture? You know, they couldn't find it anywhere on our webpage or whatever. And I said, oh, most definitely pre-trip. I'm not staying a little bit longer than what I have to. How many people is looking forward to the rapture? Of course. The most wonderful thing is that we will meet him face to face. No shame. Just beholding him. Not embarrassed because of lifestyle on the earth. But if you look at the, t the sign of the times, if you look at what's happening, you'll, you'll know. If you can read scripture, if you do read scripture, if you can read it, you can tell that time is zipping up. And time as we know it, you know, you say, well, you preachers, you all try to put the fear in people, you know. No, no, if you stick around millennial, we're not trying to put fear in you. We're trying to get faith in you, <laughs> not fear. We're trying to get you to believe, amen, not to get you on the, oh my gosh, if I was to die tonight and meet Jesus, you know, would I be embarrassed? Would I be able to look him in the eye? Well, hopefully you would be able to look him in the eye because I believe that's the only way to look at him, beholding him, beholding his grace, not because of your lifestyle on earth, but because of what Jesus did for each and every one of us. We've got this confidence, amen. Glory to God. The thing I love about Christmas is the love that everybody, and I tell you, just is so real, so tangible. The love in this place this morning, this evening as I come in, the tangible presence of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Sure, it's far better than the poke in the eye with the sharp stick, guys. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want you to go to Revelation 1 with me. Amen. We're going to go through chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5. No, we're not. Praise the Lord. This is going to be a quick night. Amen. So I say, until the Lord gets to moving, and then it's like, oh, Lord, I wish I'd never saw that, said that. Praise the Lord. But what I do know is this, that if you just listen to what the world has to tell you without the word, Without the word. A lot of good people out there. I think sometimes the church bashes a lot of good people. Unnecessarily. 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 There's a lot of good people out there that know a lot of things. And the church should never bash people that, you know, just because they're not in the church. God has given people understanding and knowledge. Well-learned people. People that have studied for years on certain topics and certain things. And... Just maybe because they're not our persuasion doesn't mean to say they don't have anything to say. What we have to understand is that we as the church must take it in and through the filter of the Spirit of the Lord based on the Word of God. What happens is that we must allow this to line up with the Word of God so that we can make a decision, a balanced decision with all the information that's coming to us what is of God and what is not? What do I need to know and what do I not need to know? What do I need to adhere to and what do I need to dismiss? These are the things that we work at, Karen and myself, and I'm sure you do too. 
But I just don't dismiss everything that I hear from someone just because they're not quote-unquote a Christian. There's a lot of learned people out there. A lot of people. A lot of people know a lot of things. Amen. And sometimes the church needs to sit up, take stock, and listen a while regarding things that we don't know, we've never been to school for. Amen. And these are the things that I'm listening for. What is it, Lord, that I need to know? Not just knowledge for the sake of knowledge, but well-rounded knowledge, different topics, different subjects. We're not supposed to be living like we live in a cave. Amen. I know I tell everybody I turned off the news, and that's what I had to do because it really was conflicting with my heart. It was conflicting with my spirit, and it was really at the bidding of the Lord. I look at notifications. I look at excerpts and all of those different things, but to sit for hours and hours listening to what contributors have to say, I don't really do that anymore because really it's a waste of my space. But what I would rather do is get on a YouTube with somebody talking sense, somebody that has something to say, that if I'm going to give 30 minutes to it, amen, it's going to benefit me and it's going to challenge me to, you know, think. How many people know it's good to be challenged to think? You don't always want to be sitting around that which you already know. You will never grow that way. You will never learn. And sometimes what the church does is we become so insular. You know, we just, we, just, we just work around, you know, just, you know, what we know, what she knows, what he knows. And, but, but there's a whole lot more to learn. And a lot of people know a lot of things, amen, which I believe the church needs to know. People have given their lives to things, in the pursuit of things, in the study of things. I'm not afraid to be challenged, amen. What I do, and I'm sure what you do also, is that I take it through the filter of the word. And Lord, what is it that I need and what is it that I don't need? And it really helps me. You know, it doesn't mean to say that I'm, you know, I know more than somebody else. No, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying, you know, I think that we have a moment to acquire knowledge when scripture says that knowledge will increase. So like what I said a couple of weeks ago, you have one life. And you must make your life count. You may not live it like everybody else lives theirs. You may not live it, you know, like other people would want you to live it. But as long as you're in love with Jesus, he is first in your life. He is center of your life. Then you can follow the path that he has for you, confidently knowing that the Spirit of God inside of you will lead and guide you into all truth. Do not breach the parameters that are set by the Spirit of the Lord, by the Word of God. Do not delve into the enemy's territory, for that's when things get skewed and wrong. Since, it says, crouches at the door. People are very dismissive of that because, oh, that's OT, you know. I wouldn't be so dismissive of that. I think that what you can take from that is the, the revelation that whether it's Old Testament, New Testament, that there is that which lurks, you know, that wants to lay hold, get a foothold, get room at any time. You know, it's the grace of God. It's the power of God. It's the, it's the power of the word that keeps us in the outworkings of our redemption. Amen. But pride sometimes can come. I'm a Christian. 
What does everybody else know? Well, I've met a lot of people in my life that have known a lot of things. I've sat around a lot of kitchen tables. How many people knows that the world is put right around a kitchen table? I've sat around a lot of kitchen tables. I've sat around a lot of people's homes listening to things that I never knew. Well, I could just say is, well, all I want to talk about is Jesus. But you know, Jesus wants us to know the workings of things. Well, I approve of this message. It's a wonderful thought just for you to be just a cloud floating through life. Just spiritual and just all, you know, just, ah, oh, it's just wonderful. But there is that practical impact of a tangible worth, of a generational legacy that the, that the Lord has planned for each and every one of us. That there is something very physical regarding knowledge and wisdom, understanding that the Lord wants us to contribute. You just not always receive a knowledge. There is knowledge that you can give because you'll always meet someone that needs to hear what you have to say or what you have learned. Isn't that beautiful? You know, a very learned man said to me one time, you know, the reason that I love people to go to universities, Pastor Paul, is this, is that it expands their thinking. It challenges their brain. You know, the negative side of that is that, you know, unless you're a strong believer, a lot of these universities can take you down roads that you don't want to go. Or the peer pressure can cause you to live a lifestyle that you never thought that you would ever live. But I've never met anybody that's fell in love with Jesus, that walks with Jesus every day, that wants to walk one day in the kingdom of God and one day in the kingdom of darkness. When you fall in love with Jesus, you want to live in his kingdom all the time. And you don't want to give the devil any room to contaminate you. <laughs> I'll say it again. This is a good message, and I approve of it. But this person was saying to me is that, that it expands them in their thinking. So if you're diligent, you can be expanding in your spirit, man, filling up on the Word of God. And then you can go and do your education, expanding your thinking. Christ within you will hold you. Absolutely. If you give Him the place, if you give Him the honor as being the lead in your life, he will hold you as you and your mind, intellect, work it out. It is important to learn. You know, learning gives us the wonderful ability to be able to talk, converse, communicate with each other. How many people have ever met someone that knew something that you really enjoyed the conversation with them? What's that doing? It's expanding you. It's expanding you. I've had conversations with people that I've interacted in, and even though I wasn't even interested in the subject, I still will engage in the communication. Why? 
Because something is happening. Whether I believe I need to know it or not, I'm receiving it. Hallelujah. Revelation, look at this in verse 1. Verse 5 says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful and trustworthy witness, the firstborn of the dead, first to be brought back to life, I love that, and the prince, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him, whoever loves us and has once for all loosed and freed us from our sins by his blood. I'd like you to underline that, please. Who has once for all loosed and freed us from our sins by his own blood. That is a powerful revelation in itself. Stay in your lane. Don't go to the edges, to the gray areas, to the darkened places where light cannot go. Stay in the light as he is in the light. I honestly believe in 23 we're going to hear so much about the light of the world. I've been praying about it. I've been hearing about it. I just believe that there's something about light that is about to hit us as a revelation in this incoming year, the power of that light. But look, it says here, informed us into a kingdom, a royal race, priest to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the power and the majesty and the dominion throughout the ages and forever and ever. Now the worst thing that you can do as a believer is to break up time. Spend all your time just focusing about now. There's a lot of time between birth and death. When God talks, he talks eternally. He talks in ages. I'm going to try it one more time. He talks in ages. So really, even the oldest person in this room tonight or those that are watching, you were really, really, really young. Compared to infinity. Or to what God calls ages. If the revelation has not hit you yet, you are going to be around for ages. Look at your neighbor and say, you're stuck with me for ages. For those people that can hardly stand 30 minutes with each other, you are stuck with me for ages. So verse 6 says this again. I love this. And he formed us. He formed us into a kingdom. Priest to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the power and the majesty and dominion throughout the ages and forever and ever. Now, you would expect a scientist to know something. How many people would? Absolutely. You would expect if you had to go for an, to an attorney you would expect them to know something, right? Now, you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't go to a marriage attorney if you, if you needed business, all of those different things, right? You would go to the right person, right? 
you know, you, you go to Dr. Paul's office, you would expect him to know something about your body, right? right? Like before you crack me, I'm wanting to know, do you know? <laughs> He's a car chiropractor for those who don't know, but I'm expecting that before you me, do you know what you're doing? <laughs> so why then does a Christian feel that they shouldn't have to know? Because really, truly, this is our trade. As believers, as the army of God, this is our trade. So if I was to come to you as a believer and I asked you a question regarding life or eternity or spiritual gifts, I would expect you if you were a tongue-talking, Bible-believing man, to be able to give me all the answers that I need. How many people would accept that? How many people believe it's time for that? I honestly do. So if you go to a doctor, you know, you go to a spine doctor, I mean, you're expecting him to be able to tell you everything that there is to do with the spine. True or false? It's the same with the pastor. It's the same with the church. I should be able to go to you and ask you, tell me, tell me about the seven years of tribulation. I'm going to help you as in that there's a a good percentage of people could not. And they live their lives aloof from knowledge, even of their salvation. How many people in this room, if there's a plan, you want to know it? Now, come on. I mean, it's like if mom had a plan, right? I mean, it's like, mom, for goodness sake, tell us the plan. What's the plan? What's the plan? In our house, we'll always say, okay, what's the plan? We always usually ask Karen, you know, what's the plan? <laughs> okay, where are we going today? What are we doing today? And then everybody gets their marching orders, right? That's how it is. <laughs> but somebody comes to you and say, okay, so if, 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 if the rapture is about to happen, what's going to happen, Paul? So what's going to happen to me? Can you tell them? I, I don't want you to look at me like, yes. <laughs> I just want you to receive what I'm saying. Can you tell them, my, we'll be away for seven years. And we do you hear what we'll be doing for seven years? And what will be happening on the earth while we're gone? And at the end of seven years, can you tell them what's going to be happening then? You know, if we were to set our mind on these things, then our mind would not be so much on us. If we would give our minds something else to do other than think about ourselves, we would be amazing. 
Lift your hand if you received a revelation just there. Praise <laughs> the Lord. Amen. In other words, the smart thing to do is to give your mind something else to think about. No, it is good. Keep it healthy and keep filling it with knowledge. Never allow it to be a void because a void will be filled. Whether you fill it or something else fills it, it will fill. And that is what we're learning, ladies and gentlemen, more and more and more. If the Spirit of the Lord and the activity of God and the activity of the church does not hold a region, then that region will eventually be taken over by dark spirits. Whether you understand it or not, it's not based upon whether you understand it or not. It's based on truth. And this is what the Bible says. Even that scripture in Matthew 12 where it talks about, you know, that when an unclean spirit goes from someone. Right? If you don't keep clean. And this is where people miss it. If you don't keep clean, stuff can come back to harass you. More will come. Worse than what it ever was. I was listening to Jonathan Kahn regarding that there, and Jonathan Kahn took it up a level, and I thought, that's really interesting. He said it's not only to the house of a man or a woman, but it can also be to a nation. That if a nation does not stay free, then it can be worse. He likened it to Germany. Reformation. Knowledge, everybody. The Reformation, Germany, and they didn't hold it. And Hitler rose, and then the devastation of the nations took place. Well, I declare it that that's not going to happen in the United States of America. Try that one more time. I declare that it's not going to happen in the United States of America. So the church has a job. All generations have a job. My generation, the generation of my children, have a responsibility. Thank you, Sophia. Have a responsibility to hold the line as we move through the years called ages. I am looking to my children to rise and hold the line so that through knowledge, understanding, revelation in their day, that we never slip or lose ground. If anything, we can hold it tighter generationally than what we've ever held it before. You understand me? There is a responsibility. Everybody use that word, responsibility. So it's just not about being a do-gooding Christian. I, I, I get really tired of all of that. It's like, you know, you know you just, you just, you're just a do-gooding thing. We're not here just as do-gooding things. We're here, actually, as a restraining order of the Antichrist. So therefore, there is a very specific job in the ages for the church to do. Hallelujah. Let's just thank him just for two minutes. Hallelujah. Is this okay for you tonight? 
That's so, so important, guys, that we give ourselves to the task at hand. In other words, if you don't put your mind to work, your mind will work and it will screw up. But if you put it to work and give it something to work with, then you can steer it. You're a spirit. You have a mind, a will, and emotions. So really, you are the governor. Right? Of what comes in to try and control you. So my reception center, which I can call my spirit, is not up just to receive everything that wants to come. And I'm certainly not going to allow my mind to remain redundant. Just allowing it to think whatever it wants to think. Based on how I feel, things I saw. I can do this on purpose. Say that with me. I can do this on purpose. It's okay, we get next Sunday off, praise the Lord. So we'll just, I can do this on purpose. So I'm going to feed and keep working and keep filling so that nothing else comes and wants to take up real estate. So we have a job. So if we're clean, and those things that used to hound our families have left. Because that, in that scripture, it actually says that he will come back to his house. Because that spirit actually believes that you're its house. So that's why it comes back to you. It, it, it thinks you're its house. So it's coming back to looking to see if it can get in. You had a spiritual moment. You got delivered. It's out roaming. And then it comes around a little bit because of ages. It's not on your time frame. It's not looking for, well, 24 hours have passed. My God, this deliverance is wonderful. The spirits are not looking at 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They have been around for ages. So what they do is they wait until the beginning of a void is created. So you've been going all guns for God, all fire for God, and now you're backing up. Now you're backing up, backing away. The fire's not as fueled as it used to. You're not giving your mind to the things of the word. You're not feeding your spirit with the word. Your faith is not growing. And because of ages, these spirits know. And the Lord knew. And the Lord set us up for success. Thank you for that one hand clap at the back right there. The Lord set us up for success. So, <laughs> so it's just not your house. The threat to America is immense. I'll try it one more time. The threat to nations that have stood 
in the affirmative of Christ or righteousness. It's immense and it's intense and it is very real. So we have a job. So we take our stand and we build. We build through our lives to acquire knowledge, understanding, Isaiah 11. We retain, this is so important, listen to me. We retain the fear of the Lord. That was, that was throughout with the, with the bath water there over the last couple of decades, really, you know. It's really, you know, you know all that fear of the Lord stuff, we, we don't want that. Well, it's coming back with a, with a tsunami effect on the church. I'm telling you, watch this. It's coming back. I can sense it in my own life. Just, you know, it's not, it's not the big things that you do wrong. Come on, everybody. Let's just be real. It's the little things. And Scripture's all about it. Little, little fox. Le little leaven. Scripture's all about it. It's not like, you know, you just out there raising hell. It's just those little things. And then another little thing, right? And then another little thing. And before you know it, it's like your conscience is being seared. And things you used to be sensitive to that you would never have done, now it's like, well, if I don't feel convicted, then it must be okay. But if you're not feeling convicted, it could be that you have went so far that you have now seared your sensitivity to that which is offensive to God. I'm using my words by the Spirit very cautiously tonight in case anybody wants to rise up and shout grace to me. This is grace. This is grace. But if you can do things that you know at one time was wrong, but you can do them now and you don't even have no sense of wrong, you know that something somewhere has happened. And that you can be in the early stages of a demon spirit that used to be in your grandparents or family line that couldn't get into your parents but is eyeing you up for them to live in your house. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And this is how these things work. That when the fear of the Lord is gone, when our conscience are seared, when nothing really troubles us anymore, and we just live life like, I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. I know I'm maybe not doing things the way I, I should be doing. I'm not living like I used to live. It's just not that simple. <laughs> you may be looking for ways to justify 
how you live. <laughs> but those spirits, the spirit world, the supernatural realm, work on laws, not feelings, not emotions, not good, not bad. It's laws. <laughs> oh. oh. Sense the Holy Ghost right there. How many people understood what I just said? It all works on laws, not how you feel. But I feel like I'm right with God right now. Or me and God's kind of going through things at something at the moment. It's like some type of jacked up relationship. Now the one person, uh, the one, one being that you want to make sure that it's all good with constantly is the living God. It's the living God. Because darkness is not going to be favorable to you. Darkness will never give you a by ball. And it will take the opportunity every time that you will give it. That's why we as human beings, we have to stand non-negotiable when it comes to how we live. We stay in the light and we don't veer towards the gray or the dark. We never find ourselves in enemy territory. I'm talking spirit. Come on now. You never find yourself over there. Hallelujah. So verse 7, look at this. Behold, he is coming. It's amazing. We've only read two scriptures. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye, everybody say that, every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth shall gaze upon him and beat their breasts and mourn and lament over him. Even so must it be. Verse 8, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. He who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty, the ruler of all. Isn't that beautiful? Did you get something out of this tonight? It's just gone 7-7, seven, seven, Sunday night before Christmas. I believe that God has a great plan for each and every one of us. The Word tells us very clearly. It's so important in this period of time that we live that we acquire knowledge, that we spend our days not only building knowledge about the kingdom of God, but what it is for us to do on this earth. What is it that as a child of God, I can contribute? Yes. Yeah, I'm a pastor. My, my business is people. But there's so much more. There's so much more for me to learn. There's so much more for me <clears throat> to learn. It all started in Genesis 1, guys. The creation of the world. All these supernatural things. 
all the way through Genesis, the translation of Enoch to be with God. Noah's flood, the Tower of Babel, plagues on Pharaoh for taking Abraham's wife, Sarah's conception of Isaac, angels blind the Sodomites, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot's wife was turned to salt. Then we get into Exodus, the burning bush. Moses' rod turned into a serpent and then turned back again to a rod. Moses' hand became leprous and it was restored. Aaron's rod turns into a serpent and swallows up the rods of the Egyptian sorcerers. Water in Egypt was turned to blood. Frogs brought forth on the land of Egypt. Lice are brought forth on the land of Egypt. Swarms of flies are brought forth in Egypt, but not in the land of Goshen. Murian deadly pestilence is brought on the cattle of the Egyptians, but not on Israel's cattle. Ashes produce boils on the Egyptians, but not on Israel's men, nor on their animals. A terrible storm of thunder, hail, and fire, which ran along the ground. A plague of locusts on the Egyptians. A plague of darkness was brought on the Egyptians while Israel had light. <laughs> Slaying the firstborn children. The pillar of cloud led Israel by day and the fire led them by night. The angel of the Lord protects Israel from the Egyptians. The parting of the Red Sea. The sweetening of the bitter waters of Marah. The camp of Israel is covered with quail. Manna is provided for Israel to eat. Moses strikes the rock and water is provided. Remarkable victory over Amalek. Fire, smoke engulf Mount Sinai. God answers Moses from the mount. God gives the Ten Commandments to Moses. And we're just hitting Leviticus. Fire from the Lord consumes burnt offerings. The fatal judgment of Nadab and Abihu. Far from God in numbers to consume murmuring Israelites. Miriam is made leprous and healed. Far from the Lord consumes 250 men with offered, who offered incense. Korah and his rebels are swallowed by the earth. The plague stopped by the offering of incense. Aaron's rod buds. <laughs> Moses strikes the rock to bring forth water, healing by looking at the brass serpent. Balaam's donkey speaks. Joshua. The waters of the Jordan are divided. The appearance of the captains of the Lord of hosts. The fall of Jericho. The sun stands still upon Gibeon. Now unto Judges, the angel of the Lord appears to Israel. The spirit of the Lord comes up on, upon Athenial. Shamgar slays 600 Philistines with an ox goat. The angel of the Lord appears to Gideon. The sign of Gideon's fleece. God delivers Midian into the hand of Gideon. The angel of the Lord appears to Manoah. Samson slays the young lion. Samson slays the Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Samson tears down the city gate and carries it away. Samson causes the collapse of the temple of Dagon. In 1 Samuel, the voice of God began to call Samuel. The overturning of the god Dagon, Philistines and Ashdod, smitten with tumors. The Lord smites the men of Beth Shemesh. Samuel appears from the dead to rebuke Saul. Second Samuel, the Lord fatally smites Uzzah. First Kings, 
God gives Solomon great wisdom. Elijah prays, and rain does not come for three years. Elijah is fed by ravens. Meal and oil are supplied for the widow of Zarephath. Elijah raises the widow's son. Fire from heaven consumes the sacrifice of Elijah on Mount Carmel. Elijah prays, and God sends an abundance of rain in response. Elijah is fed by the angel of the Lord. Second Kings. Fire from heaven consumes two captains and their men. Elijah parts the waters of the Jordan and walks across on dry ground. Elijah is taken up into heaven in a chariot of fire. Elisha parts the waters of the Jordan. Elisha heals the waters of Jericho. Blasphemous youths killed by she-bears. Ditches are mysteriously filled with water. A widow's oil pot is refilled with oil by God. And Elisha prophesies, and the Shunammite woman bears a son. Elisha raises is the Shunammite's son. Elisha detoxifies the poisonous pottage. One hundred men are abundantly fed with twenty loaves of bread and twenty ears of corn. Naaman is healed of leprosy. Gehazi is struck with leprosy. Iron axe head floats upon water. Elisha's servants visions of the mountain full of horses and chariots of fire. The Syrian army is struck with blindness. God opens the eyes of the Syrians after Elisha leads them into Samaria. A dead man is raised by contact with Elisha's bones. Ahaz, sundial, returned backwards by 10 degrees. And we're just going into Job, the supernatural operations of God. In Job, God speaks to Job from the whirlwind. In Isaiah, Isaiah's vision concerning Jerusalem, Isaiah's vision of the Lord in chapter 6. In Ezekiel chapter 1, Ezekiel has a vision of God's glory. In Daniel, Daniel recounts and interprets Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Three Hebrew youths delivered from the fiery furnace. The handwriting on the wall, Daniel saved from the lions. Daniel's visions, Daniel's vision of the 70 weeks. Further visions of Daniel and we go into to Jonah. Tempestuous storms from God to arrest the fleeing Jonah. The Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. The Lord prepares a gird to shade Jonah. The Lord prepared a worm to smite the gird. And the Lord prepared a vehement east wind. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, God is all-powerful. God is all-powerful. Then we go into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. An angel of the Lord appears to Zacharias. Zacharias is struck dumb. Angel of the Lord appears to Mary. Zacharias is healed of dumbness. Angels appear to shepherds. Holy Spirit descended as a dove, and a voice from heaven spoke. Angels minister to Jesus after the temptations. Jesus sees Nathaniel under the fig tree. Water turned into wine. Jesus performs many miracles. Nobleman's son is healed. Jesus escapes from the hostility of the crowd. Catching a draft of fish, casting out an unclean spirit, healing Peter's mother-in-law, healing many sick people. Jesus heals them all, all manner of sickness and all manners of demonic possession he casts out. Cleansing the lepers, healing the paralytic, healing an infirmed man at Bethesda, healing the man's withered hand, healing of many people, healing a centurion's son, raising a widow's son at Nain, casting out a demon from the blind mute, stilling the storm on the Sea of Galilee, casting out the 
demons and allowing them to enter swine, raising the ruler's daughter, healing the woman with an issue of blood, healing two blind men. Jesus heals a few sick people in Nazareth, casting out a demon from a deaf mute. Jesus heals the sick in many cities. Jesus heals the sick among the great multitude. Jesus feeds the 5,000 walking on the sea, healing of many at Gennesaret, healing the Canaanite woman's daughter, healing a deaf mute. Jesus heals many among a great multitude again, feeding the 4,000, healing a blind man of Bethesda, Jesus' transfiguration, healing the epileptic boy, temple tax in the fish's mouth, healing a man born blind, curing a demon-possessed blind mute, healing infirmed woman, healing a man with dropsy, raising Lazarus, cleansing ten lepers. Jesus heals many at the borders of Judea, healing the two blind men. Jesus heals the blind and the lame man in the temple, weathering the fig tree, a voice from heaven, restoring a servant's ear, the veil of the temple torn in two from top to bottom, a great earthquake at the rocks were broken up at his crucifixion, the tombs were opened and many of the dead were raised up to life, the resurrection of Jesus, an angel rolls the stone away from the grave and speaks to the woman, angelic appearance to those at the sepulcher, two angels appear to Mary, Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene, Jesus appears to the woman, Jesus appears to two on the road to Emmaus, Jesus appears to the apostles, Jesus appears to 11 apostles, Jesus appears to seven apostles, miraculous cash of fish, and we're just hitting Acts. There's nothing too difficult for my God. You think you're right here on your own? It's only getting good. A supernatural operation of heaven, I'm telling you, has already been planned, and we are part of it. So we're going to start giving our minds something to think about. We're going to stop giving the devil territory. Allowing the enemy to come and trespass on us. Us as believers, as born again children of God. We're going to stop giving room to the enemy. Stop lurking in darkness. Stop going over to places where demons are waiting to lay hold of you. The debate is not whether they get in you or on you. Just don't give them any room near you. And if you become seared and dull in your responses to the Spirit, I pray that tonight has rekindled something within you. You see, I tell our kids, out of sight is not out of mind. You know, Jeremiah, she's 12, and she's still a lot to go. Of course, Josh and Sophia are married. And, but until, you know, Josh got up a bit, I said, you know, Josh, I'm going to be your conviction until you get your own. He never kicked against it. Actually, Josh, growing up through those teenage years, that's why I love how he's working with the youth. Growing up through those teenage years, he was the model son. It's quite amazing. Hmm? 
even though he saw a lot, he made right decisions. I want you to lift your hand and say, I'm making right decisions too. And I would say, until you get your conviction, I am going to be that. He never once said, Dad, you're trying to rule my life. He never once said, you're going to let me grow up. And he never once said, you're going to let me make my own mistakes, Dad. That is foolishness gone to seed. Allowing your children to make their own mistakes when you as a parent have already made them. And you know that you do not want your children to go through things that you ever went through. Come on, guys. I talked to him and I could see him at times. It was like you could see the face. But I can tell you never once in all his 26 years did he ever turn around to me and say anything derogatory. And I'm sure as a man, he could say plenty. But that would be the last time he would say it. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> but what I'm saying is it can be done. Yes. Amen. Yep. Your precious family. All these precious families. And sometimes in our lives, we just don't know what decision to make. And we need good people in our lives that can help us make those right decisions. How many people say amen to that? So I know there's people in this room, maybe that's not your testimony, but we're praying for you. And we're agreeing for you. The glory of God is coming to your house. Amen. Come on, let's receive it. Don't look at my testimony and say, oh, I wish it had been like that, but it's not, and think bad about it all. No, just receive help from it. Receive encouragement from it. Receive just God's kiss. Say, so you know what? One of these days, things are going to turn right around. How many people believe that tonight? Come on, just worship him. We're nearly finished. Hallelujah. Just worship him. And that's what I came to tell you tonight. That God's got a plan. So here I am to worship. Here I am to bow, here I am to say, you're my God, you're all together, all together. Fall to so here I am to worship, here I am to bow, here I am to say, 
Josh is probably up there cringing. But even when it came to, to dating, Josh was brought up in a house where really, unless you know it's the one, you're just friends. And we knew that Josh and Sophia were coming together. How they held themselves. They would see other people their age, you know, snuggling in, holding hands, and getting close. But it wasn't until the true revelation of betrothal was secured that before they could move from anything other than friends, right, Elias? It's doable. And it's called honor. Come on, just worship him. My young sister, do not just give yourself to any man. sure that he's the one and sir my dear brother you're just not looking for a companion for he that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord so hold yourself in God hold yourself unto God and dedicate your bodies as living sacrifices to the living God. God will work it out. How many people believe you can trust him? He always works it out. He always works it out. And then you come to that wonderful day of being able to stand before God and a minister and give your lives to each other. To death, or the rapture in covenant before God in Jesus' name.